welcome to episode three of Pandanomics, a series exploring the economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and what the coming months may hold for Canadians. My name is Stephen Maurice. I'm the editor of Scotiabank Perspectives. Today, I'm talking to Nikita Perevalov, Director of Economic Forecasting at Scotiabank, and we're talking about the toll the pandemic has taken on business. Nikita, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So, Nikita, we've seen some positive news in recent weeks on the GDP front and on jobs, and there have been a couple of surveys of business owners, including in Scotiabank's recent A New Path to Impact report, that suggest a certain sense of optimism in the business community, which is good to hear after eight months of pretty bleak news. Can you give us some context around all of that? Do we have numbers on the impact of the pandemic at its peak and what the rebound looks like from a business owner perspective? As you mentioned, um, recent data has been relatively positive. You know, just on the employment front, we saw a a large increase in jobs in in the month of September. And this was not really expected because we, uh, you know, at the time before September release, we were expecting things to kind of slowly start to grind down, slow down since, uh, you know, from the uh, peak growth in, in the summer months. But, you know, September surprised on the upside. And so there's that tells us that there, there's still some room for uh, for strong growth in the in the economy. Now, put that to put that into perspective. I mean, obviously, in the months of April, March and April, we've seen uh, just an unprecedented contraction in GDP, uh, in uh, loss of jobs and uh, any other. Basically, you know, whichever indicator you point to, there'll be an, an outsized impact of the pandemic on that indicator. So just on the GDP front, at the trough, um, on on a monthly basis, GDP was down 18% compared to pre-pandemic February level. And this is just over the course of two months. Uh, This underscores the... um, the, the the speed and the, the severity of the sh- the shutdown measures that were taken across the uh, the provinces. However, it looked like the, the the virus was under control in May and June, and so gradually the economy started the economy started to reopen. So for uh, in Quebec, in Ontario, and across other provinces, and so right now as of July we're back to uh, roughly five six percent below the pre-pandemic level in terms of gdp so it was quite a significant uh, significant recovery right from 18 percent to just six percent and is is there data around numbers of actual business closures or impact on revenues or any sort of benchmarks from a from a business perspective? Everybody saw you know lots of restaurants, especially on the retail retail side, restaurants and bars and sectors of the economy. Businesses were really struggling, especially I think small businesses in certain specific sectors. Are there are there numbers around? business closures uh, or are we mostly relying on the bigger picture numbers around sort of GDP and jobs to to assess the the, the impact on business? Um, yeah, so in fact, uh, Statistics Canada has been very helpful throughout this, this crisis uh, with, you know, releasing timely data, releasing uh, new uh, sets of data, perhaps, uh, you know, releasing flash estimates for various indicators which is helpful. Pre-pandemic, it would take 
it usually take like a few months for for a certain indicator to be released in its final form but I mean, not, not final because it, it could still be revised uh, later on but uh, but now statistics canada is uh, routinely releasing um, data on uh, you know the flash estimates for gdp let's say and then various uh, various sectors so that's just to say statistics canada has been doing a great job throughout the, the pandemic so one of the one of the series um, uh, sets of series that they started to publish i believe it was uh, uh, sometime last year, but uh, it was an experimental estimate for business op- openings and closures in Canada. And so right now we have data up until June of 2020. And so, you know, if you look across uh, 2019, uh, the number of businesses that are being open averaged to around, you know, 39,000. And in terms of closing businesses, that's uh, 38 uh, something thousand uh, per month, roughly. Um, now, throughout the pandemic, especially in March, there was a big, uh, big increase in, in the number of businesses that were closed. And so that jumped to 57,000. Uh, and then at the peak of the pandemic in April, there were 89,000 jobs uh, that were closing. I mean, uh, there's a there's a caution, uh, caution symbol, uh, you know, on the table by Staska, because I guess, you know, it's it's difficult to to get the, the data uh, when all of this is going on. It's, it's probably hard to uh, get the responses from businesses when you know not, yeah, the, the business is closed uh, but nevertheless uh, you could see the the impact in april since then uh, the number of businesses that were closed dropped but it's still around you know 60 50,000 and this compares to below 40 in 2019 so there's still a significant number of businesses that are that are being closed every month and this this is data to june so you know, May to June, we already saw the economy starting to grow significantly, and uh, it's it's a bit of a cautionary uh, sign that uh, that even when the economy was growing that fast, uh, the businesses were still being closed. Now, on the flip side of it, there were uh, obviously the Statistics Canada provides the number of businesses that are being open, and so that all of that declined in the months of uh, March and April. As you would expect, perhaps surprisingly, it didn't decline all the way to to zero. There were still some some businesses that were being open even even in the midst of the pandemic. But perhaps it, you know, it uh, it reflects the fact that some some sectors actually were able to benefit from from the the pandemic because people moved to let's say you know purchasing things online and there were a few other things, a uh, few other sectors that uh, that benefited. Uh, while others suffered tremendously, and so you know the latest data point again, uh, the number should number should be interpreted with caution. But uh, the opening of businesses for June were about fifty three thousand, so that's much much higher than about forty thousand uh, normal sort of twenty nineteen level. So I guess there's still people still see opportunities out there on occasion and try to seize those opportunities or pivot their businesses. You know, you've been doing some interesting work over the last few months with uh, the data and analytics people uh, here at Scotiabank looking at 
transaction data, I guess, both from a business perspective as well as uh, a retail or customer uh, perspective, over which I guess is more recent. So it's a different kind of data, but what has that shown you in terms of sectors that are that are most affected? Some of them are obvious, I think, to people, but some maybe a little bit more surprising. What what does that exercise over the course of the last few months of looking at that transaction data told you about strengths and weaknesses? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's a great um, it's great that we were able to uh, leverage that internal data to to see how the economy is uh, is doing with basically a, you know a few days lag. Um, so again, that goes to the point that even with uh, more timely uh, releases by Statistics Canada, we still um, it is still very helpful to know you know what happened last week. Uh, in terms of spending, what happened last week in terms of business transactions and so on. So, so uh, all of that data was was very helpful in terms of sort of cross-checking with the published uh, Statistics Canada data on growth and jobs on uh, you know retail spending and so on. But also, um, it uh, it provides a glimpse, early glimpse of uh, the data that uh, has still not been released. And and we we do we we are able to look at the data in in at a very granular level, um, so we can see, for example, which uh, which consumer um, sectors have benefited, which uh, from the pandemic, which com- consumer sectors have have suffered, and and so it's not a surprise that uh, across uh, across the sectors that that were the most impacted in a negative way, you can see you know travel. You can see entertainment, which includes things like you know movie theaters uh, and so on. Restaurant spending uh, was down quite significantly at the at the nadir of the of the pandemic. Um, you know, automotive. Basically, you know, apart from a few categories that uh, that were related to spending on digital goods, digital goods, software, you know, computer uh, equipment, and so on. Um, all other all, all other spending contracted significantly uh, in April, March and April. Mm-hmm. But since then, there was a there was a significant turnaround in a few, a few categories. For example, you know, strong housing market makes the news quite uh, regularly the, these uh, these months, and we can see spending on on at hardware stores uh, has has come up quite a bit. So at first it declined, but then I guess. You know, people are uh, staying home. Uh, s- s- some of the spending that they would have been doing um, uh, on the entertainment or restaurants or whatever travel, um, you know, that that goes into savings. And so then they, uh, some people, I guess, decided that uh, you know it's it's a good time to renovate their house. Mm-hmm. And, and so so that we can see we can see that uh, increasing significantly over the um, over the course of the summer, and it's still continuing. There, there are some categories that declined, and now they they sort of clawed their way back to uh, to last year's levels, and these are things like you know health. Uh, restaurants were actually not not too bad up until recently. Uh, clothing, uh, again, again, people need to wear something. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're staying home or just you know going for a walk. So uh, there was uh, that spending picked up as well. But there were there are some categories that were that are still very deep deep below uh, below prior, prior years levels and that's travel entertainment is still is still low in terms of i already alluded to but in terms of the categories that actually saw 
you know, a higher level of spending uh, throughout the pandemic, those are things that are related to, you know, entertainment at, at home. So things like, you know, watching Netflix, perhaps, or watching other, watching movies, uh, on streaming movies. And then there's a, there are things that consumers bought to prepare themselves to work from home. So that's uh, all kinds of, you know, computer um, uh, equipment. Mm -hmm software again and so on so those things have have really come come up quite significantly and they're still up compared to last year and then sort of the the more prosaic uh, thing is uh, uh you know people are going out less to restaurants so they eat at home and so spending on groceries is running much much more much higher compared to last year as well mm -hmm. And so now it looks like we're perhaps in in the midst of a second wave, new restrictions being imposed, at least in Ontario and Quebec, and maybe to a lesser extent in other places. And, you know, the, the measures that things like restaurants were taking with, you know, more patios and that kind of thing, those are going to come to an end with the, as, as the cooler weather arrives. Mm -hmm. Where do those trend lines, what do they look like now and heading into the, heading into the next few months? Are we going to see, a, are we going to see another dip or is some of the rebound sustainable even over the course of potentially a second wave as well as winter weather? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so starting from our internal data, it looks like uh, the spending on restaurants has, has already started to trend lower. And uh, and I guess with the reimposition of uh, restrictions in Ontario and Quebec, uh, we would expect that, that that spending to trend lower still. Um, and again, part of it is that dine-in service is, uh, is restricted now, but also, you know, the weather is colder, so the patio season is, is basically done. And so uh, people are not, uh, people are just not able to, um, you know, except for, t I guess, delivery, uh, it, it will be hard to um, eat out at restaurants. So we, we already see that turning around. Um, there were a few other, uh, a few other categories where we could see kind of a spending start to trend lower uh, that that's that's uh, entertainment uh, to, you know that that's also started to tentatively decline um, but again some of that data precedes the the recent um, reintroduction of uh, restrictions um, but you know it's still kind of a worrying thing that uh, a few series have have gradually started to um, uh, trend lower Part of that is expected. I mean, we've seen such a big rebound in overall that uh, you know growth is bound to to to, to slow at some point. Um, and in fact, even before the introduction of the uh, of the most recent restrictions, we were expecting growth in in the in the fourth quarter of 2020. So that's uh, October to December to be much slower compared to Q3. So in Q3, that's that includes the summer months, we were expecting growth to be somewhere between 44 and 46% annualized. Uh, that sounds impressive, but you know, in Q2, we saw a decline of uh, 
almost 39%. So it's just a rebound from that. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to get excited uh, about that that number. It's great. It's great that we see this rebound, but but still we're no, nowhere uh, near out of the woods. But then uh, then even before the introduction reintroduction of the restrictions, we we saw growth slowing in the in the fourth quarter. Now with uh, with the new restrictions, with the resurgence of the virus, we expect uh, growth to come in at uh, basically just above two percent in in the fourth quarter it would have been nice you know in normal times it's it's a nice growth rate but uh but you know in these times that means that we're not really uh, rebounding that much and so part of the the weakness in in q4 is because of the um because of the restrictions and then you know there are a few things that we're we're expecting to affect growth going forward uh, you know including um, more fiscal stimulus in Canada, um, less so in the U.S., uh, and a few other factors. Right. I was just going to ask you, just as a last question, because we're almost out of time, uh, around around the supports and the and the and the stimulus that the government has put in place over the course of the last eight months, and mm-hmm. you know efforts from the banks as well to to support their their business clients. You know, I know of small businesses that took the, those. $40,000 loans and certainly help them get through the hump over the summer. Uh, mm-hmm. What's your view around the ongoing necessity of continued supports like that if growth is going to continue to be going to be slow and on the retail side of things, at least in some sectors, are, they're still facing some significant difficulties? Yes. Um, so... It's no question that some level of support is still required because we're so far, even though we have recovered quite a bit, we're still far from the pre-pandemic levels. Um, But at the same time, you know, some of this will be uh, to recoup that uh, that extra, you know, five or six percent or so uh, in terms of GDP that that still remains. This this will take uh, this will take longer than than a few quarters. And so I guess the question is, how do you make sure that you know while you provide this this support uh, to the economy while you know this recovery is still ongoing, you don't prevent the people from you know looking for jobs, going into the labor market, and so on. And I think what so it is still some level of support is still required. And the fact that the these this support now is more targeted, it's constructed in a way to encourage people to you know look look for work as as, uh, as Rebecca Young explained uh, you know uh, like the the wage subsidy for example and 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 the, the serb in the eye and, and so on yeah you don't want to create don't want to create disincentives for for people to go back to work yeah. that's right and so given that this this is one of the factors that's taken into consideration by the federal government uh, it's uh, you know it's encouraging that you know, we we can still be hopeful that uh, how, however long it takes, the you know the support will be there. But you know, as we recover, that support will just gradually sort of uh, gradually decline because people are finding jobs and so on. So it's not going to be this unsustainable uh, right. deficit from one quarter to another. Right. Well, fingers crossed that that recovery continues. Nikita, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you coming to join us today. It's been really interesting. Thank you, Stephen. 
I've been speaking with Nikita Perevolov, Director of Economic Forecasting at Scotiabank. Our guest next week is Mark DeZormo, Senior Economist at Scotiabank, and we'll be talking about real estate. So if you're wondering why housing prices keep going up in some places despite the pandemic, be sure to listen in. If you're enjoying Pandemics, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening and see you next week.